Hi guys, Nancy Grace here. At a time when we are all pulling together to fight coronavirus, COVID-19, I have something for you. An all free e-chapter on coronavirus crimes and how to fight them. Don't be a coronavirus crime victim from door-to-door -door sales of fake cures and tests, vaccines. That's not real. To robocalls that are trying to scam you, to fake ads, to phishing you online, to fake cures that are being sold on the internet and on infomercials right now. You've got to arm yourself against these crimes. Please download our free e-chapter, Coronavirus Crimes, Don't Be a Victim. Go to CrimeOnline.com. You'll see it there. Hit the link and download it for free. Arm yourself against criminals and scam artists, cons that will not only take advantage of you, but take advantage of you, your parents, your grandparents, and people you love at a time when we are all fighting the virus. I hope you go to CrimeOnline.com and download this. It's been highly researched and presented for you for free. Goodbye, friend. Keep the faith. How in the world does a beautiful young mom go missing? Neither sight nor sound, not hide nor hair of Gretchen Anthony leaving behind a child what happened to her and how in the world did COVID-19 coronavirus manage to get into this scenario? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. an all-star panel to break it down and put it back together again to try to figure out the mystery surrounding the disappearance of Gretchen Anthony. With me, defense attorney, former prosecutor, Daryl Cohen from the Atlanta jurisdiction, James Shelnut, 27 years, Metro major case, and SWAT, now lawyer, Karen Smith out of LA, forensics expert, lecturer, University of Florida, and host of Shattered Souls podcast, Ben Levitan, telecommunications expert, joining me out of Raleigh at benlevitan.com, Dr. Bethany Marshall, psychoanalyst to the stars. You can find her at drbethanymarshall.com. But first, Tere Caputo, lead news anchor, Orlando Morning News, WDBO. Ray, thank you for being with us. Let's start with you. Tell me about uh, since we don't know if she took off, we don't know if she's kidnapped, we don't have a body. Tell me about Gretchen Anthony's disappearance. When was it first noticed she was gone? Nancy, this is a, it's a couple weeks ago. It's towards the end of March now. March 10th, or pardon me, March 20th was when she was last seen. Now, this, the story really starts when a friend of hers, a witness, starts getting these strange text messages on her phone saying that, that she had uh, checked into a hospital and that she had coronavirus. So uh, this is down in Jupiter, Florida. It's a very posh section of South Florida. Okay, County. wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Question right there. Jupiter, Florida. Brett, look up Jupiter, Florida for me. Isn't that where Tiger King <laughs> and a lot of wealthy sports stars, I mean, I remember it because um, I used to have a roommate in New York that ultimately left New York and went to some 
big spread down in Jupiter. Then do you remember the whole drama with Tiger King? That's, That's when Jupiter, Florida, came to the forefront. That was Tampa. It, isn't a bunch of rich what isn't it a bunch of rich huge houses and uh, enclaves with cul-de-sacs way down the street so you can't really get to them? Yeah, well Nancy, if you pull it up on a map, you can see it. Jupiter is, is a pretty big you know, town. I'm doing that right, right. now to but, see if you're actually telling me the there truth. There are these million dollar homes. I mean, people who are off the charts with wealth live in Jupiter, Florida, and, and there's a lot, of, attracts a lot of wealthy people. However, where this happened was more inland. It was more of a residential neighborhood. You know, these aren't these million dollar off the chart homes. So Gretchen Anthony wasn't, you know, uh, living high on the hog. She was just a normal everyday mom who was coming and going to work just like the rest of us. Um, Jupiter. Oh, the Woods Jupiter is Tiger Woods' flagship restaurant. And apparently he lives nearby there. So, you know, it, why, why I'm asking that to Daryl Cohen. Uh, okay, you're showing me. Is, is that where, thank you for all the pictures of him in his red shirt. But isn't that where he lived when the big bust up between uh, Tiger Woods and his wife happened? See, this is, isn't this true, Daryl Cohen? Isn't this just the way the discussion goes when we're preparing for cases at the district attorney's office? You go off on crazy tangents, but the, 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 the uh, community is important because if she goes missing in a high-crime area, Daryl Cohen, you think, oh, okay, so there's drugs involved. She was kidnapped. There's a home invasion. But when you're in some wealthy enclave or the next-door community, that's less of a likelihood, Daryl Cohen. Explain what I'm talking about. Well, Nancy, in a high crime area where you have drugs going back and forth, you have gangs and you expect the gangs and you know the crime is going to happen. It's just a question of which one, where, and how often. In a high-end neighborhood, it doesn't happen here. And that, I think, is universal when some type of crime happens. So the person who lives there, the male, the female, the family, whatever it may be, they say, are you kidding? We've got a great neighborhood. It never happens here. Well, well, and actually they're right because statistically it's much less likely to happen in a high-end neighborhood, but it can happen anywhere. It, that's what people don't understand. To Dr. Bethany Marshall, psychoanalyst, joining me out of Beverly Hills. I mean, the, the whole point, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is when you're trying to identify a kidnapper or a killer, you have to take a look at the environment, um, not only the victim's background, but I can tell you this. She wasn't part of a, a, a drug transaction out on the corner. Bethany, I told you about the time. Brand new prosecutor. I kicked a cop out of court when I saw his police report that said the defendant approached him at a corner with a glassine bag. Because I thought, oh, who would do that? You expect me to believe that? Get out of here. Well, guess what? About three weeks later, Daryl, you're going to love this because you, you had just left the DA's office when this happened. About three weeks later, I went out to investigate a case by myself. I pulled up to that very community, and guess what? I looked over at the stop sign. A guy was gesticulating at me. I looked over. He was holding up a glassine bag. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I just dismissed that case for no good reason and reamed a cop out. And the cop took a long time to make up to that cop, let me tell you that. So, Dr. Bethany Marshall, this woman is scrubbed in sunshine. She is in this, or next to this, wealthy enclave where Tiger Woods and others live. So that narrows our pool, typically, but not always. Bethany? Nancy, 
And have you seen pictures of her and her husband? Such a beautiful couple. She's blonde, gorgeous. She has a 12-year-old daughter. And I know I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but given that it's likely not the environment, a drug bust gone wrong, a home invasion, crime in the neighborhood, I wonder, because she is so beautiful. Somebody in her life. Somebody in her life who's preoccupied with her. Somebody who sees her. Or a stalker. It could be anything. That's right. I I hear somebody. Oh, okay. I think that's Daryl saying somebody could have been obsessed with her because she is really pretty. I mean, she looks like a beauty queen. Um, Tarek Caputo, lead news anchor, Orlando Morning News, WDBO. Ray, what does she do for a living? I think I've got Ray Caputo, but maybe I lost him. Let's see if we can get that back up. Uh, Guys, on this panel, we're talking about Gretchen Anthony and how she goes missing. We also know that co-workers first realize that something may be wrong. Anybody on our panel know what her job is, how these co-workers may have known that something was very wrong before these odd text messages crop up. But hold on. Let's talk about the text messages. To Ben Levitan, telecommunications expert. Ben, when, not a phone call, but when a text message is sent, can you ping the location? Now, this is why this is so crazy. Every time you send a text or receive a text, the phone company keeps a record for 10 years as to the cell tower that you used when you sent that text. She sent a text claiming that she was in, uh, uh, where was she? she that she in was a in a hospital. What, Palm West with Hospital. With coronavirus. Palm West Hospital is 24 miles away. If you pull up that text message, if the phone company pulls up that text message, and that text message originated from a cell tower in Jupiter, you know something's wrong. You're busted, period. She sent a second text message from Belgrade. That's 50 miles away. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to soak in what you said at the very beginning. You said that phone companies keep the location of your text message for 10 years. Did you say 10 years? uh, Sometimes indefinitely. It depends on the carrier at a minimum one year. But, Nancy, what what they keep track of is the cell tower to which you are connected. This is not a pinpoint location. And we'll talk about pinpoint location in a minute like you get for Uber and uh, Lyft and that sort of stuff. But the record they keep says, when you sent this text or when you received this text, you were connected to this cell tower on Main Street in Jupiter. And that, that gets you down to an area of about four square miles. So it's not pinpoint, but it's certainly uh, evidence that, you know, if, if someone else sent that text message uh, and you or either, if or you, if she sent that text message and it's a lie yes. and she's covering something up. So, of course, there's a lot of red tape in getting ping location. Guys, we are talking about the disappearance of a young mom, of a little girl. Her name is Gretchen Anthony, and she goes missing uh, near the very wealthy enclave there in Jupiter, What happened, guys? Uh, Take a listen to our friends at CBS 12. This is news reporter Al Pelfrey. A witness told police she got a suspicious text message from Gretchen Anthony stating she had the COVID-19 virus and she was at Jupiter Medical Center. Police did find her car there, but no sign of Gretchen. 
Hospital parking lot surveillance video shows a man leaving the car there and walking away. Then a few days later, they got a ping on Gretchen's cell phone near Pensacola, where a jeweler reported a guy trying to sell a bag of women's jewelry. It's shocking. It's shocking. It's, uh, it's so disturbing. You don't expect that in your neighborhood. Uh, it's just, I just keep thinking about the little girl. According to a family friend, Gretchen has a 12-year-old daughter. Neighbor Susie Clement still hopes Gretchen will be found alive. There's still hope. There's still hope? I guess, right? As long as they don't find the body, it's like, it's a possibility. Gretchen Anthony filed for divorce in February, just one month before she disappeared. Stories with Nancy Grace. Let me go out to Ray Caputo joining us, lead news anchor, Orlando Morning News, WDBO. Ray, there's a 12 year old girl that is now without a mother. What can you tell me about someone, a jeweler, reporting a man trying to sell a bag of women's jewelry? Because that puts a whole nother light on her disappearance. Was someone, was the jewelry hers? Uh, yeah, it was hers. And, you know, it shows that whoever was getting rid of it either needed a lot of money or maybe there was something symbolic in all this jewelry. Perhaps they were trying to get rid of any of that. This, this raised an alarm for the person who was possibly tempting to buy it, and they never ended up purchasing it. So, I mean, it, it, you can reveal a you lot know, of You know, that's very interesting because Daryl Cohen, uh, pawn shops, you know, when you can't find a witness and you can't crack a case, there's two places to go. One, the county jail, because somebody knows something. Number two, the pawn shops, because whenever you want to get rid of something hot, I, I, I think somebody's trying to get in. Guys, tell me your name before you, you jump in. When you're trying to get rid of stolen items, you go straight to a pawn shop, and usually they're very heavily monitored, Daryl Cohen. They have to be, Nancy, because they're so regulated and over the years so many cases have been cracked broken solved because of the pawn shop that has that wonderful string to the perp the person who's trying to get rid of items oftentimes jewelry sometimes a gun one never knows but the pawn shops are just perfect places to look and you're right the only other place you look is maybe in a hairstylist but then we don't have those now a witness calls police saying that her mother got a text from Gretchen saying she was on a ventilator at Palms West Hospital battling coronavirus. She specifically stated Palms West Hospital. Okay, if you are on a ventilator, Dr. Bethany Marshall, how are you able to send texts or are you? Nancy, my first thought when I read this story was, if she's on a ventilator, she is not sending texts. And uh, just a quick comment about the pawn shop. Was the person who was trying to sell the jewelry selling jewelry that she might have been wearing all on one day? Or was this a whole cache of jewelry that was taken from a safe Ooh. or possibly taken from the house? Because this would provide a huge clue into who might have something to do with her disappearance. Was it somebody who robbed her, uh, took advantage of her, a crime of opportunity? Or was it somebody who was breaking into the house to try to get other goods? And were there other items being sold at pawn shops 
And is there anything else missing from her house? You know what, Bethany, I've got to pat you on the back for that. That's a very good observation. Because to James Shelnut, 27 years, Metro Major Case and SWAT, now lawyer, it makes a difference. Because if somebody had my, I, I, I guess, my Fitbit the children gave me, or my necklace I wear all the time, or my bracelet I wear all the time, that would indicate that somebody grabbed me and got my jewelry, as opposed to going into Gretchen Anthony's home and they try to sell a whole bag full of jewelry, as Bethany points out. That's very, very significant. James Shelnut? Oh, I agree. And it can definitely, as, you know, as, as was mentioned, you know, it can definitely help you narrow down uh, who may have been involved in any particular crime that could have occurred. Um, you know, one of the things that you look for is whether or not something is a robbery. Oftentimes, if something is a robbery, uh, then that can indicate a different person than if there is some type of other familiar or domestic dispute going on when you're talking about pawned items. And Ray Caputo, lead news anchor, Orlando Morning News, WDBO, let me ask you a very narrow question. At the time she, Gretchen Anthony, goes missing, does her car also go missing? Yeah, it does, Nancy, but it, it turns up not too long after people notice Gretchen's gone. It turns up at the Jupiter, Jupiter Medical Center, which... Wow, okay, goes- wait a minute. That is new information. The car turns up at the Jupiter Medical Center. Um, interesting. And Nancy, ask you this. Nancy, Ooh, Nancy yes. that's only three miles away from their home. So it'd be, uh, if she sent a message from Jupiter, you could probably not tell if it came from her home or from the hospital. So I wouldn't immediately be suspicious if she said she was there. You know, the other issue, though, is, Daryl Cohen, when you were trying to get uh, phone records, I'm sure as a prosecutor defense attorney, you have subpoenaed phone records. They don't care if the person's missing. They don't care if there's a child at home. It still takes them 10 days for them to process your subpoena ducasticum and get the records. You basically have to get a court order to put a fire under the rear ends of phone companies. Would you agree or disagree, Daryl? I would agree 1,000% because all they care about is covering their proverbial rear end, and they don't want to provide any records because it's a very bureaucratic situation, and if you don't have the right subpoena signed by a judge, then you will never get them. And even oftentimes when that subpoena is there, provided to the phone company, you still, or the phone provider, you will still have a very difficult time in receiving those records in a timely fashion. Just almost never happens. You know, I don't understand that because I've been in the situation many times, Daryl Cohen, where I needed those phone records. And compared to this, where the pings could possibly save her life. And there's really no way, well... I have seen it turned around in 24 hours, but that took basically an act of Congress to get the phone company to do that. You know, Ben Levitan, you're the telecommunications expert. What's their problem with the phone company? Well, you got to understand, the telephone business is competitive. If you found out that your cell phone carrier uh, was very lax about uh, privacy with your information, you'd probably go to another carrier. It really is an issue. You do not want to be perceived as, as that, you know. Uh, it's to me, that's totally bass backwards, Ben Levitan, because for me, I would want the phone company to fork over the information immediately. If I, my husband, my children, my mom, if any of us were missing, I'd want it right then. So 
I, I guess I'm looking at it in a different way. Guys. But, but there is, yeah, there is an exigent uh, process. If someone is uh, like uh, kidnapped and thrown in the back of a car, there is a process uh, called exigent uh, situation where the police continue immediately and do the paperwork later. Let me tell you something, Ben Levitan. I know <laughs> you're talking about exigent circumstances. comes from an old U.S. Supreme Court case, U.S. versus Carroll, which actually happened during the moonshine era. Exigent circumstances. The cops were trying to get a car that was weighed down in the back of the trunk. And they thought it was moonshine, and they needed a warrant and they used exigent circumstances. That's how old that theory is, and you're absolutely right. I've just never seen it happen with any phone company. Where is Gretchen Anthony? Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Her car turns up, as Ray Caputo tells us, at a Jupiter Medical Center. She says she's in the hospital on a ventilator, so says her text. But the cops come all the area hospitals, and she's not there. Why would someone park her car at a hospital, and then somebody gets this text? That's an awful lot of planning for a random kidnap or murder. But now, as police begin to delve into her background... Let's play that cut from Jackie. We don't know much about what was going on with this couple, but we know a little bit. We know that they recently filed for divorce. And that is usually the kind of thing that, you know, always perks the ears of investigators see this, that divorce or infidelity and jealousy are often the causes of, um, you know, these murders between couples or married couples. They were married in March of 2015 in Nevada, and then they filed for divorce at the end of February. And apparently they had both signed the papers for the divorce petition sometime in January. Uh, the divorce remains open, but I would say that's actually moot right now because um, he's a widower. <laughs> yeah, whether um, he killed her or not. Yeah, or so we think he's the widower. Question out to you, um, Bethany Marshall. I'm going to circle back to you on the dynamics of a divorce. Apparently, both of them had signed the divorce. Looks like they had a wedding out in Vegas in 2015. To Karen Smith, who has rejoined us out of L.A., forensic expert, lecturer, University of Florida, host of Shattered Souls podcast. Karen, once that car was identified sitting outside the medical center, how do you process that, and what do you look it's for? It's pretty basic, Nancy. Listen, you have a car that's been apparently abandoned at a hospital. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to photograph it. I'm going to do some latent prints and DNA on the outside. Once you get inside, you're going to look for any cans, bottles, coffee cups, things like that. Perfect for fingerprints and DNA. You're looking for Why? foreign substances other than Gretchen Anthony, who may have been inside this car and drove it. That, listen, technology is wonderful and it's on our side. So hopefully they may have found something foreign to Gretchen inside that car. I would also look to see, was the car seat rolled back to accommodate a man versus a woman? I would also look for items in the trunk. I would look for I bring in a cadaver dog and a scent dog, two different kind of dogs, to, to smell the car. We all remember Daryl Cohen, uh, the Top Mom Casey Anthony case, where air samples were actually taken out of the trunk 
and molecules within the air samples from the trunk showed decomposition. That's what a smell is, right? You're smelling something, and particles of that thing still remain in the air, hence the smell. So I would bring out dogs to smell the car, cadaver dogs. I would check out the dirt on the tires. I would get the tire tread. How do I know the dirt on the tires is straight out of her home yard or somewhere else that could be significant? Don't know if it would be or not, but I would get it. I would take the tire tread in case we needed to use it later. Of course, as Karen Smith said, fingerprints. But you also, I, I would bring in the phosphorescent light uh, to look for blood droplets or spray. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, luminol. Luminol, yeah. of course. Yes. The, I mean, all the processes you're, t you're talking about are, are absolutely 100% relevant. And luminol is a chemiluminescent substance that detects blood where you can't see it with the naked eye. So we would use that. We would use color blood tests to test substances that may be consistent with blood inside there. All of those things you listed are spot on. You know, another issue, a lot of people think that there are items you can't get a fingerprint off. For instance, let's just say, Brett, did you know this? Uh, you used a piece of soap. Yes, it still may be moist, but you can take that piece of soap and you can put it in the fridge and let it cool and then dust it for prints. Did you know that? It's easy to get prints. Uh, an, uh, even off uh, strange substances. Also, you know a great place to get prints, James Shellnut? The visor. The visor. A lot of times when people dust for prints in a car, they don't check the sun visor. And if the car had been stolen, I guarantee you the driver would pull down the visor to mask his or her face. And that's a great place to get prints. What about it, Shellnut? Oh, I agree with you 100%. You know, the thing about it, when you're talking about crime scenes like this or, or trying to identify people through forensic evidence, you know, people can do a very good job cleaning up, but it is hard to get everything. And there are so many things that we touch that we don't think about touching, that we don't remember touching. And it's just like what was mentioned a minute ago with luminol. It is next to impossible. When you have a lot of blood at any type of crime scene, it is almost impossible to get every bit of blood up so that agents like Luminol or other agents don't identify that mm -hmm. blood. You know, another great thing to look for, Shellnut? Hair and fiber. Absolutely. Now, here's the problem. Anybody that was rightfully in that car, the child, the soon-to-be ex-husband, anybody, neighbors, co-workers, you might find evidence of them being in there, and then you've got to exclude that and see what else is left. So even a killer could have rightfully been in that car. But, you know, regarding hair and fibers, you shed hair and fibers without even knowing it. You know, you get an HVAC in there. You know, explain what I'm talking about when I'm talking about that, Karen Smith, and how it works. An HVAC, we used to use them. They were a clean tube with a clean filter. It was a small little vacuum cleaner. And the evidence would be sucked up into the vacuum cleaner and it would stop on this clean filter and then we would turn the filter into the property room for the lab to go through it and sort through the hair, the fibers, even the soil samples, little mica and sand and whatever might be on the surface that you vacuumed. That's how that works. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks like, um, uh, ooh, a handheld vac is what it looks like. But it, it's, it's 
highly tuned so it picks up every fiber and keeps it on a clean surface to use for ID purposes at the crime lab. Guys, we're talking about the disappearance of this mom, this wife, soon to be divorced, Dr. Bethany Marshall. Tell me your analysis of what you heard regarding both of them amicably signing the divorce papers. Well, I'm not sure that I would believe that. Uh, what I hear in my consulting room and what couples tell the public are two entirely different things. I'm imagining the two of them sitting in my office and what I would be evaluating in terms of both of their mental health and what the separation meant. I would be wondering who, who initially wanted the divorce. I would be wondering if Gretchen had made any recent attempts to gain some independence from her husband, like starting an, any university course, making more friends, taking more time away from the house. I would wonder how the husband felt about losing control over the daughter, if he had some special relationship with the 12-year-old. I would be very interested to know what the husband was saying to the community at large about this looming divorce was he talking in a positive way about Gretchen was he saying you know it's just so sad I'm so upset but you know she has a great life ahead of her I want the best for her and our daughter or is he devaluing her is he being derogatory is he putting her down that would be a very important clue Nancy people in good mental health can distinguish between separation and autonomy, which happens during a divorce, and rejection and abandonment. And when people get stuck, if the husband did, in feelings of rejection and abandonment, then they, they become very punitive. And one final thing I would assess just from a forensic standpoint is who was making the money? What did money mean? If she's leaving him, is she taking a good deal of money with her? Did he take out a life insurance policy? Um, did either of them have trust money that they were living off of or money from other source that one or the other had become dependent upon in some way. But how couples talk about a divorce is very telling in terms of what's going to happen after the divorce. And Nancy, 74% of women who are stalked are stalked by their own husbands before, during, and after a divorce. You know, Bethany, that's a lot to take in as police go door to door within her neighborhood there in wealthy Jupiter, Florida, the focus of the missing persons investigation suddenly turns on a dime. Take a listen to our friend at CBS 12. This is news reporter Al Pefley. Police say Gretchen Anthony was last seen here at her Jupiter home March 20th. Police say they found blood inside the home, but so far there's no trace of Gretchen. It's a shock. I mean, it's a really quiet neighborhood here. A lot of families live here. Susie Clement lives with her family in the same Abacoa neighborhood as Gretchen Anthony, and she can't believe what she's been hearing about the case, and she's not the only one. This is very shocking. We're in a very safe, quiet neighborhood, and uh, nothing like this ever happens here. According to a just-released report, a neighbor heard a woman's blood-curdling scream at about 6 in the morning, March 21st. It seemed to come from the Anthony's home. She also reportedly heard a woman yelling, no, no, it hurts. And police found what appeared to be large bleach stains on the floor of the garage leading out toward the driveway. Even now, you can see white stains on the cement by the garage door. Police also found red-stained towels in the washing machine, broken glass, and blood stains in the master bedroom.
stories with Nancy Grace. A neighbor here is reportedly blood-curdling screams coming from the home. I'm very curious if the neighbor called 911 and reported that or just did nothing. And also we're finding bleach stains on the floor of the garage leading to the driveway. Towels in the washing machine, broken glass and blood stains in the master bedroom. That's a lot. You know, do you recall to Daryl Cohen when Lacey Peterson went missing? We find out her husband, now convicted of her murder, had suddenly turned into a neatnik. And immediately upon announcing her disappearance, um, he suddenly did loads and loads of laundry and mopped the floor with bleach. Do you remember that, Daryl Cohen? I remember. If I found my husband mopping the floors with bleach, Nancy, I I'd definitely call 911 right then. I remember Scott Peterson very well, who became very domesticated very quickly. And that helped in the investigation because tigers, regardless of whether they're in Orlando or not, they usually don't change. Leopards don't lose their spots. And so, yes, Scott became very, very domesticated. And that was very, very helpful when they finally arrested him and he was convicted. Guys, we are talking about someone who suddenly begins cleaning the house or basically a cleanup. I, I want to go through what is found. Can I have that document, please? Because that outlines all the evidence in the home. You know, uh, we have bleach stains on the floor of the garage leading to the driveway, red stained towels in the washing machine. To Dr. Bethany Marshall, um, do you remember the Travis Alexander, Jody Arias case where she, Jody Arias, put the bloody sheets and coincidentally her cell her phone cell pictures phone. <laughs> in the washer? Nancy, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just thinking about Jody Arias. Yes, that's the first thing she did. She put the bloody sheets into the washing machine and lost her cell phone at the same time. I was also thinking about several stories we've covered where children go missing and all of a sudden, this is a little tangential, but the baby pictures, the toys, um, everything belonging to the child is just thrown out in the trash. And it tells me that you know, in the face of these kinds of crimes, behavioral evidence is so important. People do all kinds of crazy things to either cover up or to, you know, throw people off the trail. But I, you were talking about marital dynamics. I would want to know prior to this, who did the laundry, who scrubbed the floors, who cleaned the house, who took care of all of the domestic chores was he the one who worked and she stayed home if so why is he scrubbing the floor with bleach it's so suspicious straight out to ray caputo joining us lead news anchor orlando morning news wdbo what all was found at the home ray caputo what can you tell me yeah there was cleaning solution and rags out it looked like somebody had just cleaned the house um they brought a cadaver dog in and it started sniffing around and hit on some stuff there was in the garage, it was a mixture of blood and bleach, which suggested an attempt to clean up that crime scene. And then, of course, you know, later on, we found Gretchen's car. But, but there was a lot of evidence that showed that somebody tried to clean up the mess, make it look like nothing happened. You know, what's interesting to James Shellnut, 27 years, Metro Major case and SWAT now lawyer, a random killer doesn't clean up the scene. They kill 
for either money or a sex assault to steal something, and then they leave. They get the hay out of there as quickly as they can. To take time to clean up means the killing is not random. No, you're exactly correct. When you start to clean up something, the reason that most people clean it up who have committed a murder like this is because you believe that there is some type of evidence left at that scene that may allow authorities to connect that murder to you. I'm wondering if that's why. But then we find out about um, some unusual behavior. I want you to go to your cut number three, Brett. That would be our friends at WPBF 25 News reporter Terry Parker. Police say David Anthony was approaching young girls, approximately 15 years old, pacing back and forth and sweating profusely. His truck's license plate was altered with black tape, which police say he blamed on his 12-year-old stepdaughter. An officer says Anthony at first ignored his instructions to stay outside of his truck and had to hold him at gunpoint until backup arrived. Then they say Anthony lunged into his truck and repeatedly slammed the door on the arm of the officer trying to drag him back out. A Sergeant eventually subdued him with several strikes to the throat. He was holding a blunt object. Anthony, a fitness instructor with a long criminal background of minor crimes, was released on bond and ordered not to leave Palm Beach County. Um, guys, we're talking about the disappearance of a young mom, Gretchen Anthony, and now we are hearing about extremely erratic behavior on the part of her husband just before she goes missing. Weeks before Anthony goes missing, weeks before husband David Anthony approaching young girls, 15 years old, and pacing back and forth, sweating profusely, changed the license plate tag on his truck by altering it with black tape. What do we know about that, Ray Caputo? Because as I always say, when you don't, you can't identify the perp, look for the irrational behavior that's the person. Right, Nancy. Well, we got somebody who just just went through or is going through a big life event. People say divorces can be one of the hardest things you experience. So we got that. Then we have this, this bizarre behavior of him sweating, acting suspicious. And I think what's most alarming is that he is really not showing any fear of a law enforcement officer pulling a gun out. I mean, he seems like somebody who's just he's not with it. Then you stack this up with with his, his rap sheet, the fact that people who knew him said he had issues. In fact, I, I was doing some research on social media, and I found some people who knew him from, from back in college who said he was bizarre back then. So you put all this together, and you show it's a person not in their right mind. You mean he had erratic behavior all the way back to college? That, that's what I have learned, yes. Guys. Probably be beyond that. What we know right now is that all of this has culminated and the arrest of Gretchen's husband. To you, Ray Caputo, has a body been found? Nancy, the body has not been found. No, we, nobody knows where it is. They're they're putting out um, uh, they're putting out information. They're asking people if they've seen anything. But right now, we don't know where Gretchen Anthony is. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend.